Tutti Tom from Saskatchewan with a lively tune starting out our show from their fourth album, their most recent, and that song was called Hop Shidiridi. Vitaya vas psych shenovni radio suchachi na radio programu nash holos radio krinskoho korinya kotrapodietsivam yak svichanosh jo subotia o shosti hodeni na bahatomovni radio stansi am trinatia dvasia chmb umisti vancouveri i pomereji pcj radio mijnarodnomu. Primikrofoni pavina mokwari diakoyusho bebule sochachame sunivachiri tarishale perbutezimnoyo nestupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. I'm Paula Demchik-McQuarrie, Pukrinska Pavlina, and I'm glad you've joined me. We've got a great program lined up for you in this hour. We've got... Ukrainian Jewish Heritage and Part 2 of our interview with Alti Rodol, co-director of Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, our sponsor, and she'll be telling us more about that fabulous museum exhibit that opened in Ukraine uh, late May of this year. 
As well, we've got a couple of items from our audio archives, which are pretty much evergreen, from Rushnichok, as well as from Victor's Vignettes. So stay tuned for all of that. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, keep your dancing boots laced up. You'll need it for this number by Sluhai from Winnipeg and a traditional Ukrainian folk song, uh, kind of a lament, <laughs> but uh, not really. It's um humorous folk song. Mauyaraz Divchenunku, Once I Had a Girl. Hey, hey, ha, 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 divchino, ripchino, molada. Oh, 
Canada's National Ukrainian Festival returns to Dauphin, Manitoba, August long weekend. Get your weekend passes in advance right now. If you wait, you'll pay more at the gate. The on-site attractions, grandstand variety shows, and hourly ongoing entertainment on four feature stages are all included in your one-pay admission. No extra fees. Day passes and camping passes are also available. Order your tickets and get more information at cnuf.ca. Ukrainian group called Kurinya with a traditional Ukrainian folk song about the ubiquitous Marichka. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. This is Pavlina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. 
Alti Rodal is co-director of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, a Toronto-based non-profit organization which has sponsored the series Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos since 2013. Alti is a historian, writer, former professor of Jewish history, and an official advisor to the Government of Canada. She has been instrumental in a UJE museum exhibit entitled A Journey Through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914. It launched in 2015 in Toronto and traveled to Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal. This exhibit inspired several related projects, including an illustrated catalogue of the exhibit, an expanded exhibit in 2020 at the Royal Ontario Museum, and a travelling exhibit to Ukraine, which was launched in May of this year as part of the Museums in Ukraine project. Alti kindly agreed to tell us about it on her return home from the launch. In part one of our interview, she shared some of the -the behind-the-scenes background of the original exhibit, as well as the UGE's upcoming exhibit at the ROM. She described the interest and support of museum curators in Ukraine to display their country's Jewish heritage. And she shared some of the challenges, ideas, and inspiration behind the updated exhibit in Ukraine, renamed A Journey Through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1939. In Part 2, Alti goes on to share details about the exhibit in Ukraine, displays, artifacts, and layout, along with some fascinating stories behind them as well a sneak preview of UJE's future plans. So we had in mind to do two videos, one of groups and then another one of individuals. And as things evolved, the space was too small for two videos. So we integrated the two together and so we have a panorama and individual faces. And it's these individual faces that were really very stirring from small children mm-hmm to elderly people, many young people with their futures before mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. cut short. Uh, so it's, a, it's also a kind of memorial tribute. Sure. Um, yes. And to it, we added music, oh. uh, Yiddish songs, mm-hmm. which would likely have been popular at the time. Nice. And uh, even if people don't understand the words, so I think people who know German would understand a great deal. Mm-hmm. The melodies and the sound of the language, which is a sadly a dying language. Well, in Yiddish, you said, right? Yes, in yes. Yiddish, all in yeah. Yiddish. Yeah, well, I think that there are some attempts to, um, uh, if not revive it, at least preserve it. Like Latin. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll always be there, even just as... Um, a pillar, I think, of, of our society. One other element, uh, another uh, component of the exhibit are artifacts. And because of the fact that this room was going to be showing photographs, many of which also came from Yisker books, memorial books, right. uh, that were published mostly in Israel, in Yiddish and in Hebrew, in the 1950s through the 70s and 80s. These are portraits, profiles of the individual towns, and they contain many photographs, some poorer quality than others, so one had to be selective mm-hmm. on that basis as well. Sure. Uh, but they also led to where one might find originals of some of these photographs. And with proper scanning, we were able to use photographs from these books as well. Great. And then the 
suggestions came forward to uh, include a number of these Yisker books as artifacts huh? because that's what they are. And uh, these are real tributes uh, to the communities. And they contain the, the histories from the Middle Ages on mm-hmm. uh, of the communities in these towns and profiles of personalities who made the town and the life that was, the various organizations and uh, their significance and what they accomplished and special visitors who came to the town like Ben Gurion and so on. Oh. Uh, so these, these were very interesting to peruse and to glean from. And of, of course, we don't have space for words in an exhibit of this kind, uh, but we were able to extract some pictures and to show the actual books uh, what they look like. Wow. Because these, these were sort of treasured way of remembering uh, these uh, communities. And also uh, the museum itself, the Lviv Historical Museum, has a marvelous collection of artifacts from Galicia, so including uh, Jewish Galicia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we had some very evocative items from 18th century wedding bands of a particular kind, the kind that have little houses on them. They're, they're wedding bands that are used just for the wedding, and then they're passed on to the next oh. bride. Oh, and these are, I was very uh, fortunate, to, uh, as was my colleague Natalia Fedushak, to be able to try on these rings. Oh. And uh, various other items, the household items, pottery, ceramics, silver filigree work, and also a number of wooden artifacts, in particular two wooden lions, which are quite dramatic, and they were part of the decor of the Torah Ark of the Golden Rose Synagogue. Oh. They come from a private collection, and the story that is told is that they uh, were found after the synagogue was destroyed by a child who liked these lions and kept them in the family. Wow. And they were passed on, and then they were purchased by this collector. And here they are exhibited in this small exhibit in this room. Wow. Uh, alongside uh, what we have. So yeah. who who is the collector? His name is Marco Simkin. He's a local collector. In Lviv? In Lviv, yes. Wow. So without spending a lot of time looking for artifacts, mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, mm-hmm. quite a nice little collection which brought to life the long history in Galicia through these wedding rings and other items and the ending with these lions. Wow. So in early December last year. I spoke with Julia Krasunski of RememberUs.org, and she was all excited about a new museum that her organization was involved with. And in the process of that interview, I learned that often museums in Ukraine are small exhibits. When they say museum, it's not a big building. And you mentioned in describing your exhibit in Lviv that you didn't have a lot of space. But you mentioned also there's a courtyard and balconies. So how, how big was it? How long does it take to get through it, for example? Well, it uh, depends how much time one spends. There are 18 panels with a little bit of text, so that doesn't take very long. Then there are the panels on the ground floor that have no text. You just look at the pictures. Mm-hmm. You then come into this room, and the video is now over 19 minutes. Originally, they were two videos, right. each were eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But we were told they were moving too fast. We had to slow them down. Oh. And... <laughs> So we did, and then because they were merged into one, it became longer. 
but there is a bench and people can sit down and mm. watch. However, I had a feeling after looking at how it's come out that you leave on a rather sad note. Oh. And I was thinking, what about the present? Where, where is the present in this? Mm-hmm. I know that we're stopping in 1939. Right. And uh, it occurred to me, uh, inspired by some comments that I received, that why not talk about what is being done now to commemorate, preserve, protect the Jewish heritage. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of the organizations that are doing this, small groups, volunteer groups, and one of them is Julia Karsomsky mm-hmm. and her group. And after I came home, after the opening, I produced two more panels. And they describe what is being done by organizations such as the Rohatan Jewish Heritage Group, mm-hmm. Marla Roucher, right. uh, Osborne, with the Lviv Volunteer Group, with Sasha Nazar, with the Protecting Memory Group through the American Jewish Committee three mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're out of the picture, but the Denkmal, the, the German organization for commemorating the Holocaust, has continued to put up architectural monuments at killing sites. But what they did in 2015 was remarkable and a model for what could be done. So I included the, all that information and also the rememberus.org mm-hmm. in these two panels on a positive note that There are Jews and Ukrainians of all ages, especially young people, high school kids, Mm -hmm. who are now going around cleaning up Jewish cemeteries and repairing monuments that uh, have been uh, damaged in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, to me, redemptive Mm -hmm. and positive Mm -hmm. and a model of what one can do now. Indeed, and that's that speaks to the mandate of Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, and I think it probably embodies everything that that was hoped for at the beginning. You've just celebrated your tenth anniversary. Congratulations on that! I learned from Raya that you were one of the instrumental people in actually getting the ball rolling to get the organization formed, and so you must be so pleased. Yes, uh, in many ways, we're doing what we had planned to do twelve years ago. And in addition, we've not been inflexible when opportunities presented themselves for doing something more in one area than in another. And the museum's domain is uh, such a domain. We have, uh, with the experience gained in Lviv, the potential to bring content of interest to many museums, beginning in western Ukraine, then in central Ukraine. And it can be done on the basis of what we've already collected and done. Mm-hmm. And in each case, we are prepared to adapt and introduce local content so that it's really relevant for local people mm-hmm. and visitors who are interested in the particular town. Mm-hmm. So can people see little uh, little snippets of this museum on your website or Yes, there is some, some material has already been put up. There's a very brief uh, video of our tour in the summer of 2018 mm-hmm. and how we prepared the way to the exhibit that was shown this May and uh, how it's been received at the opening reception was very successful uh, with the ambassador of Canada uh, being the host of the occasion. Oh, great. Um, yeah, it rained, but nonetheless, oh. an excellent turnout. And, uh, and very good exchanges. Um, we're looking to 
build on this. And uh, the opportunities certainly seem to be there. And uh, this is what we're going to be looking at in the coming months. Great. I may not have mentioned that uh, the catalog won a prize. Uh, following our tour of museums in Western Ukraine, we were invited to bring the catalog in Ukrainian translation mm-hmm. uh, to the Festival of Ukrainian Museums, oh. uh, which was being held in Dnipro in September of last year. Okay. And uh, we came with our catalog and so on. We were encouraged to submit it for a prize. Mm-hmm. And uh, to our surprise, <laughs> it won first prize. Congratulations. At the museum uh, festival where there were about 300 uh, museums represented. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and one of the judges who encouraged us, he is very much interested in the bigger picture in Ukraine, mm-hmm. in the museum's world, oh. and in uh, working with us. Mm-hmm to bring the Jewish content to these museums in the larger cities. So any town that has over 200,000 people, where there had been a significant Jewish population before the war, Mm -hmm. merits to have a small corner in their museum and dedicated to that history. And that's that's his view, and he's Uh prepared to work with us on that. Wow, isn't that fabulous? And uh, we also had a roundtable at that festival, Uh Uh, to which we invited any museum directors who were interested in the topic. About 50 people turned up, and uh, we went around the table to get to know each other and why they were interested. Mm-hmm. And everyone indicated this interest, and several interests, a very enthusiastic interest, and mm-hmm. in, uh, bringing content to their museum on the Jewish heritage. Fabulous. That is really encouraging and exciting, and hopefully that we can be in the loop for that um, as it uh, as it progresses, and to be able to share information on that going forward with with our listeners. So, thank you so much for sharing this story about the recent uh, launch in Lviv, and hopefully we'll speak more when the Royal Ontario Museum exhibit opens. And when will that be? Uh, well, the scheduled opening is uh, for early December. Okay, that's right, uh, to coincide with the uh, the 10th anniversary of UJE. So hopefully we can talk then and uh, get some details on that so people living in the area and um, close by can can go and check it out. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, Paulette. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the best to you. I've been speaking with Alti Rodal, co-director of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, about the UJE's museum displays on the theme A Journey Through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, in the second of a two-part interview. Check our website and podcast feed to hear part one, as well as earlier interviews with Alti Rodal, and that's www.nasholos.com. You can also find them on the UJE website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I hope you've enjoyed this interview on Ukrainian Jewish heritage. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian 
Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. This is CHMB, AM 1320, Vancouver. Montreal group called Rosa from their CD they released a couple of summers ago now I think and that song was called Lvivsky Vachir Evening in Lviv Coming up next bringing it a little further west to Saskatchewan here is the Lestilka Ukrainian Orthodox Choir and Orchestra with a song called Kozachka Moya My Cossack Sweetheart
Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. This is Stefan Andrusiak from Rushnechok, and you're listening to Nash Holos with host Paulette McQuarrie. Dorihi sluchachi vipsikh nashech chlani orkestre Rushnechok, veliki privit vam. Vesluchayete radio peredachu Nash Holos. This is Stefan Andrusiak from Rushnechok, and welcome to Rushnechok Stories, a radio segment about words and music we love. When in the spring of my youth I readied myself to go out into an uncertain world, my mother embroidered a shirt for me. The threads were red and black. Such are the opening words to Dva Kolore, a Ukrainian song about two colors. The author, Dmitro Pavlichko, was born in the foothills of the Carpathians in the late 1920s. He would turn 16 in a Soviet prison sentenced there for a year on the suspicion of being an insurgent army operative for the UPA. But after the war, this history and linguistics graduate became a respected, published, and award-winning author, writing his own works, even translating Shakespeare. Mr. Pavlichko wrote Dva Koyore originally as a poem. It was threaded into music by renowned composer Oleksandr Bilash, then it was performed, recorded, and toured by cave opera soloist Dmitro Natyuk. Imagine existing in the Soviet Ukraine in the gray aftertaste of the Khrushchev era. The Vakolyode gave Ukrainians permission to feel. Just listen to the words. Two colors, both on one cloth, they stitch together my spirit. They are me. Red stands for love. The black for anxiety. But the song and its success also brought the KGB to its feet, and they weren't there to applaud. You see, red and black are the flag colors of the UPA, that very same underground army Pavlichko had been imprisoned for supporting as a teenager. Thinking quickly, he offered to take his interrogators to his apartment, where, in a drawer, he revealed an embroidered shirt in red and black. It's just a song about a shirt, he said. See, here it is. Now, great songs last because they remain relevant generation after generation, each listener discovering a new strand of meaning in it. But songwriters, especially in the Soviet Ukraine, survived. 
because they were believable. I had the honor of meeting Mr. Pavlichko during the Canadian leg of his North American tour back in 2005. He told us this story of his dramatic release from KGB custody with cliffhanger delight, adding that his interrogators indeed had read far too much into his words. Today I hear the song and I think of Ukraine's potential of East and West intertwining with purpose, an inseparable, beautiful, lasting embroidery, blending geography and color and races, beliefs, languages and orientations upon a lasting fabric of tolerance. But then again, it may just be a song about a shirt. Dvakolyore was recorded by the one and only Dmitro Natyuk, of course, then by Kvitka Sizik, by Javir, by so many bands and singers in Canada as well. Here from iTunes is Rushnichok's version, from Rushnichok Volume 1, offering a bit of country-western vibe I'm not sure the original authors imagined. The song, Two Colors, Dva Kolyore.
Welcome to Victor's Vignettes, stories about life in Soviet and post-Soviet Ukraine by Viktor Sergeyev of Mykolaiv, Ukraine. I am Sergei Kaznady in Toronto. During my teenage years, I watched many Hollywood-style movies based on Fannie Moore Cooper's novels with cowboys and Indians. The movies were made by Deutsche Film Aktiengesellschaft or Studio Defa, the state-owned monopoly for film production in communist East Germany. The movie scripts were based on novels by 19th-century authors such as German Karl May and the American James Fenimore Cooper, who penned The Last of the Mohicans, one of the most widely read American novels of that time. All the movies I watched were shown at cinema theaters, not on TV. I never knew why. The movies starred mainly Gojko Mitic, a Serbian director, actor, stuntman, and author living in Berlin. Because he played so many such roles, he became known as the Chief Indian of the USSR. I recall him playing such roles as Chingajguk, Ulsana, and Tikamsa, among others. These movies were known as Red Westerns, or Borscht Westerns. They are often compared to Spaghetti Westerns, because they use local scenery to substitute for the American West. Where they differ, however, is in the Red Westerns' portrayal of Native Americans as the heroes, rather than white settlers, as in John Ford's Westerns. There was pretty solid ideological reasoning for inundating us with movies featuring fake German Apaches and Comanches. For one thing, East Germany, of course, was easily controllable from Moscow. For another, the storylines fit the Communist Party line. The heroes were the oppressed Indians, representing the working class, while the cowboys were the villains, representing the evil capitalists. Hopefully, Western audiences are able to notice the signs of subliminal communist propaganda here. In addition to the Red Westerns set in America, we also had movies about the Russian armed forces, an example of sheer Russian chauvinism. If it were otherwise, those movies would have starred Soviet armed forces and included other nations, such as Latvia, Kazakhstan, Armenia, and etc. No, the intention clearly was to emphasize the dominance of that damned imperia. These movies were mainly about World War II, known as the Great Patriotic War, and how glorious and ever-victorious the Russian Red Army was in battling the evil Germans. The only Hollywood film I saw in my younger days was McKenna's Gold. That was in 1970, when I was only 10 years old, and still too young to analyze anything. We were easily influenced. Children, who knew nothing about any other way of life, and no way of finding out. In those days there was of course no internet and only Soviet newspapers. In some ways like Russia today. 
Much later, I discovered that this movie, McKenna's Gold, had been completely appropriated by the powerful USSR propaganda system to spread Sovok values, namely disdain for the business class, organized religion, in particular Christianity, and the idea of the American dream and its related ethics. In the late 1980s, things began to change starting with Gorbachev's Perestroika. Now movies like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, and Terminator, and actors like Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, and Angelina Jolie are known to everybody in the former Soviet Union, including my home country of Ukraine. And these days movies can be seen in cinemas and on TV, as well as every mobile device out there. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Victor's Vignettes, stories from the life of Viktor Sergeyev in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. You can find Viktor's original transcripts and commentary at his blog, Vignettes, Life in Ukraine. For audio archives and links, visit www.nashholos.com. So until next time, do pobachenya! For over 50 years, Canada's National Ukrainian Festival has highlighted the very best in Ukrainian culture through music, food, dancing, and interactive family fun, featuring incredible bands and the very best dance groups from across the country. Don't miss this family-friendly festival in Dauphin, Manitoba, August long weekend. Weekend passes, day passes, and camping passes are all available. Order your tickets and get more information at cnuf.ca. Kurka, 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 kurka
skače a ta kurka čupa turka Vidim mu je kuročka Kurca i koni posam noćku Edmonton, that was Millennia from their CD Bratia, which was their third. And a song about the chicken, actually, it was kind of a Ukrainian version of Old MacDonald Had a Farm, made popular fairly recently, but uh, kind of swept Ukraine by storm. First heard of it, uh, Ukrainian language immersion camp in Saskatchewan, probably about 10 years ago now. Lots of fun. Millennia with Kurochka. You've been listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver, which comes to you Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. here on AM 1320 CHMB on the radio dial and online at am1320.com and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. If you miss the live transmission of the show, visit us online, www.nashholos.com, where you can get links to the podcast feed, audio archives, transcripts, and other good stuff, as well as links to our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, and also our Patreon page, where you can support the show if you would like. And again, that's www.nashholos.com. I love to hear from you, so please send your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. And our proverb of the week translates as Do not try to pull a fool out of trouble, as he will drag you in with him. And with that, we've come to the end of our program. So to wrap it up, we have the Locker Kids from Edmonton and the traditional Ukrainian folk song, Vitervia, The Blowing Wind. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich.
Hi, I hope you enjoyed this edition of the show. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter of Nosh Holos, I hope you'll consider becoming one today, with the digital equivalent of a cup of coffee once or twice a month, or maybe even a snack or a meal. There's an option for every budget, and even a dollar a month tells me you value the show and my efforts to produce and bring it to you. Becoming a Patreon supporter will give you the opportunity to provide feedback to help me improve the show, create cool swag to promote it, and swap ideas on how to promote Ukrainian culture in between broadcasts and podcasts. Your contribution will also help to preserve a well-established on-air and online venue of almost 30 years running to continue promoting Ukrainian culture and heritage long after I've retired, which will happen sooner rather than later. Your contribution will help that transition happen, and future generations will be able to enjoy the music and other Nasholos programming that you currently do. To become a Patreon supporter, just go to www.patreon.com and search for Nash Holos. That's patron with an E, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or go to www.nashholos.com and click on the orange Patreon button on any page there. Thank you for listening and for your support. Shterodyakuyu. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.